Welcome to the Bible Vault, where we unpack the jewels of God's Word. I'm Jason. And I'm Katrina. And today we're continuing our series on Who is Jesus by talking about the meaning behind some of the passages in Job so that we can learn about Jesus' role as our mediator. Now, all of Job's friends were claiming that Job had done something wrong and needed to repent to resolve the mess he was in. In this passage, Job contrasts his friend's statements by saying, For he is not a man, as I am, that I might answer him, that we should come to trial together. There is no arbiter between us who might lay his hand on us both. So, in this passage, what does he mean when he's discussing an arbiter? Uh, The note for this section of the study Bible, which, by the way, this is Job... Uh, chapter 9, verses 32 and 33. But the note here from the Study Bible actually gives a great description. So it reads, uh, a per- a, an arbiter, a person who settles quarrels or sets things right. Job laments the lack of a mediator between God and himself who could resolve this problem and reconcile them. And then when the passage says, lay his hand on us both, concrete image of someone who could reach out to these two hostile parties, God and Job, and bring them together again. In fact, uh, Pope Gregory I said about this, the Redeemer of mankind who was made the mediator between God and man through the flesh did both convict man that he might not sin and withstand God that he might not smite. He gave examples of of innocency that he took upon him the punishment due to wickedness. Okay, so Job essentially recognizes that he and God are not on the same level, and the only viable mediator between them is God himself, which is why Christ is so important. So later on in his discussion with his friends, Job eventually cries out in frustration and misery, and we see this in Job sixteen eighteen through 22. He says, O earth, cover not my blood, and let my cry find no resting place. Even now, behold, my witness is in heaven, and he who testifies for me is on high. My friends scorn me, my eye pours out tears to God, that he would argue the case of a man with God, as a son of man does with his neighbor. For when a few years have come, I shall go, to, I shall go the way from which I shall not return." Job also cries out in hope, though, in 19.25, which says, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at at the last he will stand upon the earth. So how do these exclamations tie into Christ's role as a mediator? Well, on your first passage, the note in the study Bible for chapter 16 actually connects the witness back to the arbiter, It reads, this heavenly witness is God himself. Job appeals to God against God. He appeals to the God of justice and forgiveness as he knows the true God must really be and against the strange and raging God that he's experiencing. The witness here, like the arbiter of chapter 9 verse 33, is more likely an intercessor or intermediary who will plead with God like a man does with his neighbor from verse 21. This longing for an advocate before God, who himself is God, became a reality in Christ. And then the note from Job chapter 19 actually ties 
all three of these together. And the note there reads, uh, Redeemer, comparable to Arbiter of 933 and Witness of 16, 18 to 22. The Redeemer is God. Job appeals to God against God in light of the fuller biblical revelation. We know that Christ, the God-man, fulfills the description of the Redeemer. In support of this view that Job appeals to God himself for the following. 1. Job consistently recognizes God as the ultimate arbiter in all matters of justice. 2. Job knows that nothing can deliver a person from the wrath of God's law other than God himself. 3. The Lord himself confirms all of this in chapters 40 to 41. And 4. In Job's final plea in chapter 31, he puts his legal case solely into the hands of God. As Christians, we know this appeal is to Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, who as a person is distinct from the other two persons of the Godhead. Job sure teaches us quite a lot about faith in our Redeemer. 1 John also brings the same imagery into the New Testament in 1 John 2, 1-2. through, 3, 1 through 2, excuse me. It says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Right, and in all of our readings for this episode, I'd like to imagine we're in a courtroom. God sits as judge, Satan is the prosecutor, and Satan actually, by the way, translates to accuser, and Jesus is our defense lawyer. We need Jesus to talk with God, much like Job did, because as God points out in Job, and as Jesus points out in John 3, we don't understand the courtroom of heaven. Therefore, we require someone who does understand and will fight for us against the accuser. When Satan accuses us, he uses things that we have indeed done. And as a result, we feel shame and disappointment in ourselves and insecurity, doubt, fear. We know we're not good enough and that we've messed up. And I feel like everybody feels that way. I know that I certainly have. Yeah, at some point we all do. But yet in the midst of these feelings, we hear Jesus say, I've taken the punishment Therefore, they are not guilty. And that sounds too good to be true, right? Sometimes, yeah. I mean, we hang our hope upon those words, upon our arbiter, witness, mediator, and redeemer. Imagine how comforting it is to hear the words, I've looked at the evidence and they are not guilty. And that's what freedom, that's the kind of freedom that Jesus offers. It's incredible. Freedom from guilt and shame. And as a result, we change too. We become better, joyful, light, free of the burdens of sin that weighed us down. That's why it's so important to recognize what Job did 4,000 years ago and what John emphasized after Jesus was crucified some 2,000 years after Job lived and 2,000 years ago from today. That Jesus, that, after, that, God, that we need God himself to come to our defense. And because he did, then through Jesus the Redeemer, we are, in fact, pronounced innocent. Yeah, that's just amazing. And I think that just sums it up perfectly. you have any other thoughts on that? I think that that pretty much wraps it up for this episode. And I do want to say next week we'll be discussing Peter and his witness of Jesus as the Christ, and you won't want to miss it. This is actually going to be the last subject that we're going to cover in this series of Who is Jesus before we do a single recap episode 
and then we will go on to our next series. Stay tuned to see what that's going to be. I'm super excited. So if you have any questions, comments, or an experience you'd like to share, please be sure to head over to our Instagram page at the Bible Vault Podcast and shoot us a message. We'd love to hear from you and feature your thoughts on one of our next episodes. And as always, please feel free to reach out at any time for any reason. Thank you for joining us today on the Bible Vault. God bless, and we'll see you next time.